Well, welcome back to the Man Challenge podcast. We are talking about Genesis and manhood. In the last session together, we kind of were in part one. This is part two. And in particular, today, we are talking about leadership. Now, leadership is a very, very loaded term. I remember one of my friends going off to a Promise Keepers rally like 20 years ago, and he came back fired up because he was inspired to lead in his home. He was inspired to lead at work. The only problem is he was a pretty negligent guy. So once he got inspired, he had a lot of history to overcome. And instead of doing it right, when he decided to step up and be a leader, well, it didn't go so well. He got a lot of pushback. He got a lot of pushback at work. He got a lot of pushback in his home. And I remember discussing this with with my old friend. It was a, a challenge for him. And so as we talk about this topic of leadership, it's wrought with peril. There's a lot of emotions leading up to and leading into any conversation about leadership. I'm joined by my friends, or with my friends, Michael Foster and Brett Williams. Michael, Brett, glad to have you guys this morning. Glad to be here. Yeah, excited to be here today. All right, on this topic of leadership, why is it? I know, as I said the L word, some guys might have even already turned this thing off because they're afraid of the topic. They're afraid of leading. They're intimidated by leading, or maybe they just think, well, I'm not a leader. So why are guys so afraid of this topic? So I think um, lead, when I think about leadership, and leadership's been a word that's been used a ton um, all growing up, and you have to be this great leader, you have to all the, do all these great things, and it's a really, really high bar, and something that's that I don't always feel like I've got great leadership potential. Um, and so I can't be the president of the United States or lead like the huge army or something like that. And so if I'm not going to be that kind of leader, then why would I put much effort into leading? And so it's this really, really big high bar that I shy away from in leadership. And I think that it's my own understanding of what a leader actually is that's keeping me from leading. And so I think that that's it is the, the high bar, the, the, it's, it's unattainable. So why even try for that it? Preconceived notion, almost that stereotypical vision. I can't be Winston Churchill, so why try? Brett, what are your thoughts? Yeah, just to kind of dovetail on that is that it's um, this uh, this stigma that comes with leadership. You're going to be in the limelight, or that um, you have all this responsibility, and some men are not willing to to take on that responsibility that it takes to to be a leader. It's, it, it, men, we don't like to be vulnerable. So if, if I try to do this and I, I can't, right. that I, I'm better off not even trying, in other words. Right. Good stuff. You know, it's interesting. We have been looking at the formation story, the early story of masculinity, the picture, the snapshot that we get from the first few chapters in the book of Genesis. And Genesis 2, in the old King James says, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And uh, sometimes we read that and we see sex in that, and there is some truth in that. That's one aspect of it. But really, there's this snapshot of a man leaving his father and mother. And in order to leave his father and mother in that culture... That was a real big step because as long as you were under dad or the patriarch, 
you had protection, you had this umbrella care, you had maybe his flock or his vineyard or you had his farm. And when you strike out on your own, you have to, you know, cultivate the soil or cultivate the livestock. And so the man strikes out, leaves, and he is united to his wife. He becomes something new. And so in the process, they become something new. So like I said, it alludes to sex, but it's more than that. And um, and so this really leads up to a big idea here, which is uh, behind the initiative that a man takes in stepping out, behind that initiative is courage. And behind courage is leadership. And so with that in mind, why do we need courage to lead? Do you think that's true? Do you think a guy could lead without courage? Oh, no. I think you absolutely have to have courage to be able to lead because you are stepping out and you are bringing people with you. And if you're afraid, then you're not going to you're not going to take that first step into a leadership role. And you think about how many times um, that that you you kind of just wait for someone else to do something and um, you miss an opportunity to actually go into something great. Um, and so if you can be the person to take the first step, it takes courage to do that, and you bring people along with you. And I think that you'd much rather to get the blessing for where you're going to go and, um, and enjoy that rather than just sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and, and along with that is, you know, when, when you are leading, um, it does take courage because you will fail as a leader at some point. And so, and a, and a, and a lot of that is that fear of failure. So you have to have the courage to go ahead and take those steps, you know, follow God's voice and do what's on your heart as you're leading, because there will be a time that you may fail or you will fail. And you have to have the courage to know that you're going to, um, you know, continue on. Well, it's almost like even like having the courage for humility, right? Because you know that you're going to have to humble yourself and eventually you're going to have to admit that you're wrong or you did something inaccurate or you made a mistake. And that takes humility and it takes courage to actually even have that. Absolutely. Man, that it just kind of makes me think of a, a popular buzzword thanks to writers like Brene Brown is vulnerability. And that is that just feels like such a dangerous word as a man. I do. I, it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, we should be vulnerable. It's another thing to be vulnerable and to be vulnerable enough to, as you mentioned, Brett, to risk failure and even know, hey, you know, I'm not always going to get this right. And as men, we have this aversion to failing. You know, it's sort of if I can't hit a grand slam, I don't want to step up to the plate. Well, that's dumb, but yet that is the story of many a man who's just afraid of failure. So that's a it's a, it's just good for us to know as we enter into this topic of leadership that we have to have courage to go alongside it. Otherwise, we're just going to go it'll be a philosophy. It won't be real in our lives. So, you know, it's interesting and again the formation story and I I um I liken it to like a a movie that I have seen over and over and over and over again and even though I know all the plot points in the film, there's a reason we return to favorite films because there's like, oh, this is the good part. This is that clutch moment. This is the part when Neo realizes, oh, he is part of the Matrix and can control it. This is the part where Luke realizes the Force is strong with him and he blows up the Death Star. Like, even though you know, you know, you know what's coming. And so it is with Genesis 1, 2, and 3. You kind of know what's coming. And some of it's like that cringe moment where you're like, oh, please don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, 
you did it. And in Genesis 3, what's interesting is that the tempter seeks to corrupt and reverse God's original social and spiritual order. You know, when he approaches Eve in the form of a serpent and he engages her in a conversation, he's like, you know, God's wrong. You're not going to die. He just knows the truth. You're going to be like him. You're going to kind of be his equal. And so already he's sowing a temptation, and that temptation is to, to see ourselves as equal with God and to upend the social order. And uh, one of my friends pointed out that maybe the reason the serpent didn't come at the man directly is maybe the man would have blown it off and said, no way, I'm not going to do that. But the serpent always looks for the place in which he can do his tempting. And so he tempts the woman, and the man we know is there because the text says, and Adam was with her. And so she turns and she takes the fruit and then she turns and gives the fruit to Adam. And it, it is a total upending of the social order. God's called man to be an active participant and exert his leadership. And he's completely passive. He lets the woman get tempted instead of beating that serpent to death. He allows her to take that fruit. And so she takes it. And then he, he accepts it from her and takes it. And so there's this... Um, there's this sort of passivity that's a big, big issue. And then as a result, the text tells us there's a curse that comes from it. And what's fascinating is that the curse, part of the curse, is male domination. Part of the curse is that, um, in fact, in Genesis 3, verse 12, it says, um, uh, I'm sorry, not 3.12, but um, in uh, 3.16, he says to the woman, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And some guys read that and they think, that's my life verse. That's my favorite. And that's not why that's there. It's not to be a man's life verse. It's part of the curse. It's part of sin. In other words, she's going to want the dude and she's going to actually have a certain craving and we we see this story all over our world where women put up with some pretty awful guys and yet we ask why are they there why do they put up with it and yet here it is from the very beginning one of the curses of sin is male domination now some guys hear male domination and they're like yeah it's part of the created order that's how it ought to be male leadership yes male domination no way and here's a question, though, is uh, how is male domination bad for men? We know why it's bad for women, but why is it bad for men? Yeah, so, so Bill, I, I am really struggling with the word domination there. So kind of explain what you're talking about there. Like when, when I think about, you know, male domination in, in, in a really toxic form, and you can even throw in the toxic masculinity, mm. but... I think of a tyrant, someone who is only out to get his own way, and it's at the expense of the people that are underneath him or in his kingdom. And that's where it's really bad is that um, a, a good leader, um, somebody who's leading is stewarding, and they're helping cultivate some of those relationships and sometimes taking a little bit um, from their own desires to elevate somebody else, where male domination is actually something that's gonna gonna just crush people underneath them, so that the the person in charge can be elevated. And you think about a good boss versus a bad boss is somebody that will um, roll over you and throw you under the bus, so they can continue climbing the corporate ladder. You're probably not going to work very hard for that guy, and you'll actually probably see him rise through the ranks or her rise through the ranks. But when you get a really really good boss 
boss, somebody that that gives you the things that you need so you can elevate, and it ends up making them look better. And you'll see them um, run through the ranks too. But you're gonna we're gonna work a lot harder for somebody that that's a good leader, a good boss, rather than that tyrant. And that's where that tyrant place comes in, in and it just isn't very helpful. And the end goal is you end up at the top, but you're alone. And I think that's the hard part is that you've got nothing to show. And you know, last week we talked a little bit about legacy. As a man, we we steward the resources we have in hopes that we'll leave a, a great legacy when we're gone. Mm-hmm. And um, in in the Christian world, that's a godly heritage um, yeah. for the different people that you can influence. And that may be your family, that may be your friends, that may be in mentorships. But we're leaving a legacy. And if you're a tyrant, you're going to leave a legacy that you're not going to be proud of. Well, I think that you 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 hit on some important themes within that idea of domination. That tyrant is such a powerful, evocative word. I I think in terms of what what a domin dominating man looks like, for instance, in a marriage, is that his wife craves an intimate connection, and he just wants sex. So while she wants to just forge a, a deep personal connection with the guy all he wants is gratuitous sex if you will uh she wants his leadership and she experiences his selfishness so it plays out a dominating guy will spend he'll he'll whittle away all kinds of money so he can go on hunting and fishing and golfing trips with his buddies but then when it's time to take the family on vacation he cheapens out because there's not enough money but he's taken his vacation he hasn't taken care of his family. That's not leadership. That's dominating. That's selfish indulgence. Mm-hmm. The guy who who his weekend is for his pursuits, and the dregs are for the family. It's it's the it plays out in the family when the the man's wife really wants him to step up and engage with the kids and build into the kids, and he just cuts them a check. So he makes sure that they have the. The experiences and the trips and the sporting equipment or whatever, the 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 coaching or the 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 tutoring, but he himself doesn't even know his own kids. That to me right. is a dom. It, whereas a, a, a in a marriage relationship, it's side by side. In a dominating relationship, the guy stands apart and it's top down. Right. That's what it looks like. So why why is that so harmful for men? I think that's a great question too, because it's very easy and obvious that it's it's harmful for those that are underneath the leader right. or the man. But how is it bad for the man? I guess you know I'm thinking about it is you know he wouldn't get to experience the cho- the joy and love um, that God has in store for him for his family, his wife, his kids, you know, his aunts, uncles, nephews, whoever. Um, he would be missing a huge aspect of that. Mm-hmm. When I think back to this Genesis story, is really cool to see the original um, thing that, that they're trying to do is they're going to be like God. That's the lie that they get from the serpent, is that if you take this, you'll actually know and you will be like God. And I think that that's why um, it's so terrible for and damaging for men to be a tyrant, is that you've made yourself God. 
And you are going to be very, very disappointed if you are your right. own God, and because you're going to be a terrible master and a terrible savior, and you're going to end up with a really, really bad thing. And I think about kids that get everything they want, is if you want ice cream for breakfast, which I've actually done before, um, if you want <laughs> ice cream for breakfast right. and candy all the time, is that you're not going to grow up healthy, yeah. um, you're going to end up rotting. And I'm not just talking about food, I'm talking about all the other things. You think right. about a rotten kid. Um, is that you think about a rotten man that gets everything he wants and you're just going to be rotten in the soul. And so you think about that versus that if you gain the world and and lose your soul, I think is where you're at. And that's a big danger of being a tyrant. You know, when you think about it, if, if there is no thing that intercedes in a man's life and he's allowed to be a domineering young man, he becomes a domineering middle-aged guy and a domineering old guy. And every step along the way, I just think he sheds friendships. He uh, he expels people from his life, or they expel him from their life. And we all know those kind of curmudgingly or curmudgeoning uh, jerk older people. And it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen when they turned a certain age. It was just allowed to continue on. And as men, we're called to more than that. That's a very corrupt idea of leadership is the dominating guy. And if as Christian men, we can look that in the eye and say, that's actually satanic. That's evil. That is, that's wrong-headed. If we approach leadership in a godly fashion, it will be welcomed by men, women, children. They will look at us differently if we lead like Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the curse comes into through Adam, but what Paul tells us in the book of Romans is it's through Christ that we experience a newness. And so while we are under sort of a a taint of all of this sin, there's a newness, a freshness that comes in for a Christian man. And uh, the piece I'd like to leave with us today is that we could notice that Adam isn't done. God's not done with Adam, that towards the tail end of that third chapter, Adam turns to Eve and he renames her. Up till then, it's Adam and woman, and he renames her Eve. In other words, in that naming process, he's reinitiating that relationship. Now, maybe she got tired of like, dude, quit calling me woman. If you call me woman (laughs) one more time. But I, I suspect it's more than that. I suspect that what it really is, is Adam has recognized something has to change. And so in renaming Eve, he is re-exerting his responsibility. It's not power. It's not domination. It's responsibility. And so as men, I think one of our questions we can always ask ourselves is, you know, not do I want to be a leader, but do I want to be a man? Because the other choice is to be a boy. And while that might be cool in the Peter Pan story, we're called to grow up. We're called to be men. And so there's this exciting piece that even though sin has twisted the whole enterprise, God reasserts what is right. And so we see this in the snapshot. And so I hope that we come away encouraged, not uh, discouraged. We, we have to look our failures in the eyes and recognize that God calls us to something brighter and better. And we can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit, locking arms with other fellows. So Michael, Brett, thanks for uh, thanks for being part of the podcast today. 
Oh, thanks for having us. Yeah, so so good to be here. And as you guys think about this, um, go back through and read the first three chapters of Genesis and and look to see how God intervenes and His grace and love um, abounds for us to grow up. All right, gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to this podcast of The Man Challenge. Hopefully it's been an encouragement to you. Look forward to seeing you next time.